the text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day, comes to us from the prophet Joel, chapter 2, and especially these words. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is the most powerful word in the English language, perhaps. Now. When the answer to the question of when is now, well then, things have gotten quite serious, usually. Action must be taken. That thing, it must be done. If it is not, there could be immediate consequences. Well, Lent is a season of now. After all, listen to the prophet Joel, who ushers us into this Lenten season. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Joel makes clear just how urgently people should take this call to repentance. He says that a trumpet should be blown in order that whatever anyone else is doing, they might be interrupted in doing it. He says that even nursing infants should take leave of their mother's nourishment to come and hear this word. He tells the bride and the bridegroom who are preparing for their wedding day that all of that must wait, that this must happen now. And why is there such an urgency when it comes to repentance? Because God has promised temporal and eternal punishment if we do not repent. And this threat is so great that delaying action in regards to repentance would simply be a manifestation of foolishness fueled by pride. To ignore the reality of God's call to repentance is simply to test God's resolve, to see if He would truly bring about His word in regards to that punishment. And we must remember that while God is supremely gracious. He never speaks any word. He speaks in jest. All of His words come to pass. This year, during our Lenten midweek services, we will be focusing on the blessings of baptism. And baptism is also a now kind of thing. And probably because in the Scriptures, it is the thing most tightly bound up with repentance. Those hearing Peter preach on Pentecost Day about how their sins had led to Jesus' death and about how now He had been raised from the dead, well, they asked Peter, what should we do in regards to this word we have heard? And while I admit that Peter does not use the word now, I certainly think it is implied. He said, repent and be baptized. And how do I know that now was implied? Well, because we are told that 3,000 people on that day who repented, they were baptized that day. No, it wasn't that since there were so many that responded to the Word, they could wait a little while to figure it out, how they would possibly baptize 3,000 people in one day. No, it had to be done now. And so they did it. And the church has understood this about baptism throughout its history that it is not a thing to be delayed. 
And this is not just about adults. Baptism for infants throughout most of the history of the church were often completed within the first two weeks of a child's life. People understood that baptism was so serious that it could not be delayed. Sin had to be dealt with quickly. It needed to be put off. And after all, one should not test God. But isn't it interesting that in almost every way we are a now culture, and yet when it comes to things of the faith, we have become less urgent. We want to be able to watch that entire season of our favorite television show right now. And yet, we think that the baptism of our children can be delayed. We want our food to be delivered to us almost before we've actually ordered it. And yet that sin in our life, that can be left to linger untouched for a little while. We want to get into the medical doctor right now to deal with our medical condition. And yet we tell God that we can be seen by Him and His church in a couple weeks or a month or whatever in order to diagnose and deal with our spiritual condition. So why is it that we have grown so lazy in a way in regards to taking care of repentance? Well, there are many variables, but tonight let me highlight quickly two of those variables. Of perhaps why it is that we take things like sin and repentance and even baptism so casually in our day. First, I think we often really don't believe that sin is all that big of a deal. And each one of us has different reasons for believing that at different times in our lives. Some simply believe that the particular sins in their life, well, they're so trivial that they certainly don't deserve attention from us or from God, for that matter. Some believe that sin is not a big deal because, after all, everybody sins. Therefore, God certainly can't be surprised when we sin. And therefore, how could He be upset about it either? A few, I am sure, in our world have even been tricked into questioning whether the whole idea of having a morality that categorizes one thing as sinful and another righteous is even proper. But then even if we believe that sin is in theory a big deal, the second reason I think we don't deal with it very urgently is that we're not really sure there are any consequences that come our way for sin. Not in this life or not in the life to come. Some believe this because they feel like they've gotten away with plenty. And others think it's because they've watched others get away with plenty. And so they decide that surely there's nothing in this life that's ever done about sin. Still others have come to believe that God is just such a softy that he could never punish anyone. Not in this life and certainly not in the life to come and certainly not as drastically as the Scriptures speak about it. Yeah, still others might mistakenly believe that Jesus' death and resurrection and the forgiveness earned there, well, it simply frees us from worrying ever again about sin at all. Since we know, after all, whatever we do will be forgiven. But of course, all such talk is foolishness. For sin is a big deal. And it does have consequences. If sin is no big deal to God, well then so much of the Scriptures would have to be tossed away. For the Scriptures are filled with talk about sin 
and how it destroys the relationship between God and man. And if you doubt temporal consequences, consider the burnt remains of Sodom, or the waters that covered the mountains during the flood, or just think about the chaos in the life of some who have chosen for years to live apart from God and His ways. And as for eternal consequences, well, Jesus Himself was not shy to speak about the eternal separation from God and the bodily torment that awaited those who rejected His offer of grace and life. You see, to reject sin being of consequence and to reject the idea that sin has consequences Well, both are simply ways of rejecting God and testing Him to see whether His word of warning is really trustworthy. Far better that we would just simply repent, that we would simply rejoice that we have been baptized and to do it now. For I was wrong. Now, that's not the most powerful word in the English language. God is. God is that most powerful three-letter word in the English language because God is almighty by definition. So let us trust His word that sin is deadly and let us turn from sin at His call. Let us do now what was first done at our baptism. Let us return to the Lord our God for He is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Let us do it now, that he might give us Jesus now, for then we will be saved now. Amen.